Welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Lots happening on this week's program. The Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit has filled its food basket with nutritious items, and to no one's surprise, it costs more than a lot of people can afford. We dig into the issue and offer suggestions toward finding solutions. The Barry Public Library is thriving post-pandemic. Thousands of new members signing up last year, and why not? There's more happening there than you may realize. The Barry Colts looking a little different as they course through the second half of the season. A few deals made at the trade deadline. The playoffs not out of reach, but not guaranteed. Barry Transit is getting another makeover with a promise of more timely service from one end of the city to another. And Localicious is back. A chance for you to try the best cuisine Barry has to offer. We get the conversation started after this. Inflation inched back up in December after a slight decline in November. Not easy for many to fill a shopping cart with nutritious food items. Vanessa Hurley, lead dietitian with the Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit, joins us. Give us a rundown from your 2023 Nutritious Food Basket Survey. This year, our household food insecurity stats show that one in five households just cannot afford um, food in general, let alone uh, a nutritious diet, but food in general. So this is an increase in food insecurity that we're seeing in our region. And it's the same across Ontario and in Canada as well. And in Canada, we've had the highest number of uh, household food insecurity stats in the history of 17 years of monitoring. So it is a real concern. And there are many many things that we can do about it. Um, The government certainly has a big role to play. All levels of government have a role to play in reducing our household food insecurity stats. We know that effective solutions to reduce household food insecurity and increase access to secure, adequate food is income, more income. And so we at the health unit level and our our board of health really encourage the government to step in and provide more income-based solutions to our residents and those across the province and Canada as well. What is an income-based solution? Outline that for us. Yeah, certainly. So an income-based solution is an evidence-based solution that will, in the end, put more income in the pockets of our of individuals and families in our region. And they can range, there's, there's so many options, but the ones that you hear about mostly in the media and by the experts in this field are increased social assistance rates, indexed to inflation. Um, we see household food insecurity rates are really high for those on social assistance. Their cost of rent and food combined exceeds 100% in some cases when we're looking at individuals, like over 160%. Um, and those families of four on Ontario Works, um, it's over 90% of their income goes to food and rent. So increasing social assistance, assistance rates is something that um, there's a big push for as well. You've probably heard a lot in the past about a guaranteed basic income that has been shown to be an effective solution as well. But certainly providing livable wages with uh, regular hours and benefits so that people can afford to live. So go to work and um, not have to work multiple jobs or 
you know, a lot of hours. So livable wages and benefits is another example of an effective solution. How realistic is that? And I'm playing devil's advocate here. Certainly there's a lot of evidence to show that those are effective. And we've had some examples of that throughout Canada, through a pilot and um, some other provinces on the East Coast are currently trying this out as well. So we'll probably get some good information about that to know. But yeah, certainly like the co- as the cost of living increases, it is harder for everyone. So one of the things that uh, a major report released this year showed was that the increase in food insecurity in Canada, a lot of it was attributable to those in Ontario with mortgages. So it is impacting everyone. So even those that are working, almost 50% of those that are going to work every day are food insecure. Um, and those on social assistance, of course, yeah, they definitely have those higher numbers because it's just not enough. Rent is high, food costs are high, and People just don't have enough money to buy food. And while some of us are in a position we could make adjustments to our lifestyle to accommodate that, not everybody can, and that seems to be a majority now, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So the rates of household food insecurity, as I mentioned, are affecting everybody. It's certainly the highest among those living alone or those with young children, a lone parent with families, So and in those with mortgages. So it is affecting everybody, um, and we all... In the end, we all pay the cost because it is a major public health concern. And those that are food insecure also have higher health care spending. So it, it impacts the community as a whole and our health care system as well. What goes into that uh, basket of food that you uh, you put together that uh, is costing a family of four $1,225 a month and a single person $445 a month for a nutritious, balanced mealtime? Yes, yeah, so that nutritious food basket is based on Health Canada's national food basket, and it's 61 food items that are based on national health eating recommendations and Canada's food guide. So those are really just 61 basic food items. There's nothing fancy in there. Um, It doesn't consider like cultural foods. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't um, include personal items or cleaning supplies, coffee, all those extras. So they're really just 61 basic food items that we use as a benchmark. So although we say that it could cost a family of four this. Most likely it's much higher when you factor in all those extra costs of your grocery bill. And do you find, because these are nutritious foods, this is the Canada Food Guide, but do you find that, that, that a lot of people stray away from that, trying to, to make ends meet and they're buying less expensive junk food type things? Yeah, so what we hear is that, and what we see is that uh, those that do buy those highly processed foods they find that it may fill them up longer because they're high in fat and they sustain them a bit longer. However, they're highly processed. So that comes with lack of nutrition, high sodium, high sugar, um, and high fat as well. So yes, certainly like if, you know, you could go to your nearest dollar store and, and get a lot of highly processed foods, not necessarily nutritious ones. And certainly people have to do what they need to do. You know, household food insecurity can range from skipping meals to reducing your quality of food intake as well. 
essentially household food insecurity can range from you know going out, going without food and going hungry, that's the extreme, to reducing the quantity and quality of the foods you choose as well. Do you have people, more people coming in and contacting the, the, the health unit saying, here's my diet now, how can I make it better? How can I afford all of this and, and looking for advice? What we have seen at the health unit is really concerns from our schools who are noticing an increase in kids that are going to school hungry. And, you know, when we look at the stats from the latest report uh, about household food insecurity in Canada and Ontario, one in four children are going to school hungry. So that is, that's uh, a concerning statistic and so that is where we are hearing the most concern is kids are going to school hungry what can we do about that certainly we know that food bank usage uh, visits have gone up considerably almost 40 percent in the past year uh, probably more since we last measured and what we're hearing is food, ba- food banks in our area just can't keep up And we know that food banks, while they are necessary in those emergency types of situations, they're not the solution to reducing rates in our region or in our country for that matter. What are the roadblocks uh, to getting the different levels of government here uh, jumping on board with some of these programs to, to, to help people in these situations? You talked about pilot programs and things happening down east. What's happening in Ontario and why aren't some things happening? I really think it is the political climate. It really depends on uh, who's in position at that time and what their priorities are. Certainly, there is so much advocacy for those effective solutions that I mentioned through a number of different organizations, uh, public health included, related to social assistance rates and basic income. And it really depends on the priorities of the federal and provincial government So that's why we really need to continue to advocate, continue to speak out so that they can hear from all of us, individuals and organizations, that we need to do something about this because we can't afford not to. And everybody in our country, province and our communities like deserve to have um, a nutritious diet. So we need to continue to speak out and everyone has a role to play and it just takes that voice, even when you go and vote. Apart from that voice, what can the rest of us who are doing okay be doing to help out? Again, I think it, it is really just learning more about the issue, sharing your learning with others, your colleagues, friends, and families. Um, certainly, when you go and vote, that can be a very powerful way to express your concern as well as writing a letter to your um, local politician, your MP or your MPP as well. So certainly advocacy through letters um, do do work and they do receive those. Big hill to climb but we're going to get there. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for the work you're doing and uh, keep us posted. And thanks so much for having me. If you'd like more information or are looking for help with nutritious meal planning, the Health Unit's website can be found at smdhu.org. Sounds like getting around town is going to get easier in Barrie. The city has been looking at ways to make Barrie Transit more efficient. Brent Forsyth, Director of Transit for the City of Barrie, lays out the plan for you and Barrie 360's Ian McLennan. 
Brett, we have to go back to uh, mid-June 2023. City Council approved the implementation of a new transit network for Barrie two phases starting uh, actually this year. Tell us, uh, if you could, what is this new transit network that uh, riders will eventually experience? Yeah, the new network was was really a catalyst of uh, the direct, the previous direction from council to uh, relocate our terminal, uh, our main uh, terminal hub from downtown to adjacent to the Allendale uh, GO station. And so when we when they gave direction to start planning for that, they also gave us direction to kind of look at the, the the network and see where you know improvements can be made and stuff. And kind of a lot has changed in recent years, and and what has allowed us to kind of look at things a little differently, especially with technology. There's new um, technology and service uh, with, within transit, which, you know, some call it microtransit. We call it transit on demand. And it allows you to, um, you know, create a system that's, that is uh, extremely efficient in terms of uh, ridership. So, you know, the, the historic um uh, dilemma in transit is always managing frequency with coverage because we want to make sure we can get transit through the entire city, but there's certain parts of the city just based on whether it's geography or, or infrastructure or, or what have you that is sometimes difficult to get transit into. And so um, the emergence of this transit on demand um, has allowed us to kind of allocate our resources and become a more efficient uh, service providing uh, quicker, frequent, and more reliable service. So that's really kind of the the gist of uh, of the change. And and so what, when you look at um, the new vision, the new network, you'll you'll see transit on demand zones. And transit on demand is basically um, a service where you book through an app from stop to stop. And uh, what it does is either connects you to major hubs. Uh, to get on the traditional fixed route or, or connects you to major destination points, whether it's grocery stores or rec centers and things like that. And when you look at our our, um, our system, the trans on demand zone account for about 6% um, of our overall ridership. And so being able to kind of use that efficiency with that technology and that service model allows us to actually put on, an, for example, our, our express route, which we're really excited about, which takes you from Park Place to the north end um, and reduces travel time significantly or increasing our frequent transit networks kind of up and down Young Street and Bayfield and, and around by the uh, hospital and the college to 15-minute frequencies, which in the past it was always 30-minute frequencies. So. I guess in a nutshell, that's kind of uh, the benefit, you know, of uh, of the new system and, and what we're planning to move towards. Yeah, and one of the, you talk about express service, there's a, a bus route that would run right along Highway 400? That's correct, yeah. It's going to start at Park Place, um, and then it's going to run up and down 400. It's going to stop, but it's going to come off, um, it's going to get on at Essa Road, um, and then it's going to get off at Bayfield. And then it's going to um, get off at Duckworth and connect to the college and RVH. And so what that really does is a city like ours where, where, you know, it has this giant body of water that kind of cuts the city in half as well as the 400. We're using the infrastructure that's always been there to help speed up those trips. So somebody's coming from the south end who, you know, is kind of going around the bay through the city and then needs to get to RVH because that's where they work or, you know, whatever, can take them quite a bit of time. So with the uh, the express route now, uh, that time is cut in half. When when you look at it, I mean, you know, everybody's trips, you know, are different. But 
cross-city trips will reduce by approximately 13% across the city with the new network. And when you were doing consultation or just from, you know, your own uh, your own research or um, hearing from the front line, the bus operators, what were some of the issues with the transit system that you hope to uh, improve upon? As You touched on some of them as yeah. moving forward. So some of it is, some of it is just, you know, making sure we continue with uh, coverage because our old system had really good coverage and our, and our new system has actually the same coverage and then some. So we're actually adding coverage um, in, uh, under the new system to, to areas like, uh, you know, the Benson subdivision. So the subdivision up behind the, um, the, the landfill. Um, and then a couple other areas too in the city where you couldn't actually get in, uh, couldn't get a full-size bus into um, based on the, the infrastructure, you know, the, the, the road network or, or whatever. And so the, the on-demand service um, provide, is provided through a smaller bus that allows you to kind of navigate some of those areas. So that's what we kind of we heard is, I mean, everybody wants it quicker and more frequent. Um, and so, again, just by, by having that technology and that ability um, under the on-demand, it's allowed us to become more efficient in, in all those other areas. Yeah. So two phases, starting in uh, this year, what, what is the rollout for 2024? So we're going to be coming to council shortly with a memo that'll um, provide a bit more details uh, in terms of timing and stuff. And we're just actually sorting that out now. Uh, it will be uh, likely this summer. Now, um, one of the transitional opportunities that we see is that, you know, the trans on demand model um, is going to be different it, uh, for some individuals. And so what we're, what we're, what we've done or council has approved is we're actually going to overlap the trans on demand service. So in an area where it used to have fixed route, for example, we're going to overlap trans on demand service for about a month and offer that free to those riders so they can try the service, get used to it, get comfortable uh, with it before the fixed route is, uh, is removed. You know, this isn't something that we've done in the past when we've transitioned. Typically, when we transition, we make the change and from one day to the next. And we're really hoping that this is, you know, a benefit to the customer and a benefit to them to be able to, you know, be able to change their travel patterns and, and behaviors a little bit to support the new system. And then 2025 um, is the full rollout then? That's correct. 2025 is the full rollout. And it's kind of the same idea is that in 2025, uh, we would we would kind of overlay that for the month again in those areas. And the reason why we're phasing it over uh, two years is is kind of twofold. But essentially, it is for the customer in, in the in in terms of being able to properly support uh, each of the areas as we make these changes, um, all of our ridership, and 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 ensuring that we have the the resources to support them through the changes. And there's been a lot, I mean, this is a big change for Barry Transit. You're just recovering, I guess, still from the uh, the pandemic. Has the ridership returned to a certain level? Yes, it has, actually. It's, re- it's returned and then some. So um, over the course of 2023, we're at about 110 to 115% of our pre-COVID ridership. So we've actually, uh, 2020. Three was the first year that we were back to pre-COVID levels. We're seeing the ridership grow. And uh, one of the other uh, benefits of the new system, too, is that it gives us flexibility to allow us to um, react to, you know, some of those areas that may be growing, the ridership may be growing uh, and stuff. And it's built in a way, too, 
that as the ridership continues to grow, if you need additional bus on certain routes and whatnot, it's, it's, it's easier to kind of implement those additional buses. Uh, it comes at a cost, but, uh, you know, uh, as the ridership grows and we need them, that's, uh, you know, we'll bring those forward. I mean, and, and finally, Brent, uh, we've seen Brent. We've seen a lot with the GTA, and the you know everybody's talking transit, tinkering with it. Um, mm-hmm. Was this necessitated too by just Barry's population growth and the 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 move from uh, maybe you know not driving as much and and using public transit if it's efficient? Yeah, absolutely, it is. In fact, one of the um, one of the uh, items we presented to council as part of this. Uh, this year's budget is growth into the to the areas of Salem and Hewitt that are currently being built and trying to get in there early enough uh, before the houses are built and people have already bought that second car to encourage our, our uh, to use our system. And, and, and that's actually another benefit of transit on demand is as those subdivisions are being developed, the infrastructure isn't always there to support a, a traditional fixed route service. So we're going to be servicing those areas with transit on demand and supporting supporting those residents by uh, linking them with our uh, transit network. And then as the subdivisions mature and are built out and whatnot and the ridership uh, deems required, then, you know, those some of those routes get, will, you know, may get converted to uh, fixed routes, you know, you know, over multiple years or whatever. So uh, it's definitely being built with that in mind to the growth of the city. Barry Colt still in the playoff hunt after making a few trade deadline deals. Not been an easy year for the club, especially on the road. Our Will Conkin takes a look at the recent changes and here's how they may impact the team from Colt's writer and broadcaster, Gene Pereira. New year, new roster, and now add new captain to the list. Uh, Bo Gelsma was given the C ahead of their uh, 4-3 loss to the Brantford Bulldogs on Saturday. Uh, uh, Gene, uh, he said it means the world to him. Maybe touch on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think they could have picked a better guy to wear the C and be the captain of this hockey club. Uh, you know, Bo Gelsma, you know, right from day one, I mean, he's just a heart and soul guy. I don't think anybody works harder. I don't think anybody cares more and takes losses, uh, you know, as hard as he does. Uh, you know, he, he's just a competitor. I mean, you know, through and through. And, uh, you know, he's a leader. And, uh, you know, he'll do, uh, you know, you've seen him. You've seen him in the past. Whatever role it is that they want him to play, whoever it is they want him to play with, uh, you know, Bo Gelsma does that. And, uh um, he's just one of those guys, and it, it's really nice to see him rewarded for that. I mean, obviously, we're in captaincy, uh, you know, uh, you know, puts kind of focus on you. And for a young team now, uh, you know, to have Bo as a leader, this guy just sets a great example, you know, beating practice or, or beating games. He just works his butt off, and if you want the team looking up to one guy, he's the guy that you want him looking up to. So, Gene, I, uh, earlier I mentioned the new-look roster, but uh, what's going on with uh, Brendan uh, Sarazotti and the deal acquiring him for uh, Jacob Frasca? Sarazotti isn't coming to the Colts and decided to go to school instead. Uh, break down that situation. What's going on? Yeah, it was, it was the first trade that Barry made at the deadline in uh, dealing uh, Jacob Frasca for some picks. And back, uh, they got Brendan Sarazotti, who was an extra, going to be the extra overage. And, the Sioux sent him to Barry, and you know he would have been a, a good addition, uh, a scorer, a guy could provide points, play top six minutes, and uh, you know also on the power play. So he, he certainly would have got some points here. But Brendan just decided that he was going to go to school and uh, kind of go on that path and and not report to the Barry Colts. And I guess uh, talking to Marty Williamson 
Uh, he insinuated that the uh, the Sioux Greyhounds uh, knew beforehand that uh, the Sioux wasn't going to report. They still made the trade. So I think it's something that the league is going to have to look at at one point and uh, kind of assess the trade. I mean, it's not going to get reversed at this point, but you know whether there's some kind of other type of compensation, a draft pick or so on, if they determine that the Sioux you know, dealt a player that they knew wasn't going to report and uh, and kept that quiet, then I think there's something they have to look at. But, uh, uh, you know, you know from a, from a standpoint of uh, Brendan Sears, I, I remember Dave Chant some years ago, uh, you know, a similar situation came over from the Branson Battalion in, in a, a, the so-called dump deal where, you know, the battalion were going for it. They got Brian Finley and, and Tyler Hancock. And, and you know, uh, David Chant said he was just completely thinking about as well not reporting and going to school and he ended up staying in Barry and played an overage year and they went to the championship and he said it was the best year of hockey he had so uh, you know it's a decision that he thinks you know to this day that uh, you know he's, he's really glad that he stayed and I think Brendan you know could have been a key part of a young club here drives to the playoffs and uh, you know look if you want to showcase your talent there's a ton of uh, scouts and stands and in, in uh, OHL ranks, and it's the place to do it. There you go. So uh, overall, though, what do you make of the different look Colts? Well, it's certainly a young team, and uh, I think they're going to, you know, they're going to go through some struggles. Um, I think scoring is going to be probably one of their bigger issues. Um, you know, they just having that elite score, and you move Chalet, and you know, Frasca was a big part of that offense as well. And but you know what it means is it means opportunity. It means opportunity for other guys to step up, be it you know getting an opportunity on the power play or uh, you know getting more ice time. And uh, uh, you know, so you'll see. I think young guys. I mean, Riley Patterson has really taken another step in his game. Obviously, Cole Bowden has been fantastic in both gels, but but you know, for guys like Ty York and opportunity more you know he's been great on that line with Patterson and Baldwin but uh, you know for young guys Bowie Stewart I still think there's a lot more in his game to see uh, you know and you got Kyle Morey coming over from Kitchener who's going to get more ice time and you know that's what it means it's, it's, it's opportunity and here's your chance to kind of show your coach that next year you can be a big part of the hockey club and uh, you know play important minutes and uh, you know that's what it does is uh, you find out what you got on the roster Looking at the playoff picture, the Colts sit just outside, and you've mentioned before they've had to play better on the road. On the year, they're uh, three and fourteen. Uh, maybe touch on that as well. Yeah, it's been a real tough go on the road. I mean, uh, last week the, the loss in Niagara wasn't great. I, I thought they were kind of vanilla in that game, and uh, you know they're such night and day from home. I mean, Saturday's game against Brantford, they lose four three, but you know they do really good. Uh, in that game, but uh, away they just don't seem to have the same life, the same jump, and uh, you know they haven't won a game since November 10th on the road. Uh, that going back in Mississauga, so you know if this team wants to make the playoffs, they're in a battle of Peterborough. And now Niagara's kind of crept into the picture as well for that last uh, eighth and last playoff spot in the East. They're gonna they're gonna have to win, get some points here on the road, and they're just gonna have to find a way. And I think it's you know talking to Marty Williamson, uh, there's been a bit of frustration. You know he had mentioned, look, it's a young club, and you know you don't have the last line change, and 
so he can't get the matchups he wants a bit uh, as much on the road as he does at home. But still, these young guys uh, are going to have to figure it out here. And uh, I, I think it's pretty clear to me that if if they're to sneak into that final playoff spot and uh, you know get some playoff experience, they're going to have to start getting some points on the road. Well, the Colts, uh, they host the Wolves tonight, Ice Dogs on Saturday, and hopefully they can uh, switch the road woes around when they head to Sudbury on Sunday. Uh, Pleasure as always, Gene. Thanks, Phil. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, thousands more turning pages and more at the Barry Public Library last year. And Localicious is back to whet your appetite. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling 1-888-2-DONATE. Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. It's back. Localicious, a chance to indulge in the best Barry restaurants have to offer at special rates. Randy Feltus and Peggy Hill set the table for Barry 360's MJ. All right, so this is really exciting. We got Localicious coming up. It's a really good event. Uh, People might not be familiar, but it's a chance to really get to know the restaurants in the area by sampling a little bit of everything. Um, How does this work exactly? So it's really quite simple. We have a bunch of restaurants on board. They're doing a preset menu for a set price. So three courses for either $25, $35, or $40. Okay, perfect. And how do people um, sort of get involved in this? Do they choose the restaurant? Do they go to one particular venue? How does this work? They can go to the website, localicious.ca. All the restaurants participating are there, and then they call the restaurants independently and make a reservation. That's amazing. Or you can normally click online to make a reservation. And for that price, you can try it more than one. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. How many restaurants do we have participating this year? I think there's over 30. That's really good. How, how's the tur- turnout like previously? Because this isn't the first time because this is always really a, a great event. For we people. are actually in year 13 and we started with 16 restaurants. We blew it up before COVID up to 50 restaurants and we were doing surrounding areas as well. But now we've homed it back into Barrie. Is there any restaurants that say like as soon as you tell them that you're putting this on, they say no questions asked. We're going to be part of this because they've always been part of it. Yeah, every single restaurant. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. you don't really have anybody that pulls back often. Once in a while, you'll have restaurateurs go on vacation. And so the restaurant's not open. So then they're not involved. Um, and obviously the dates have changed a little bit because of COVID. And since we've changed that. But for the most part, the restaurants are really happy to be a part of it. Now, what I love about this is that we always have, like, you know, Barry's an ever-growing city. We always have new people coming into the city, and uh, they may not know about, like, the great, you know, we're, we're kind of a culinary town. Well, yeah. <laughs> people may not know that right away. Very much so. We have a lot of great restaurants and a lot of mom-and-pop shops that we, that this is what we're doing. We're supporting local and stay-out-of-the-box stores 
eat local. So how long is this going on for? So we are from January 19th to February 4th, Peggy. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> That's right. And we're very excited. That is a really long time. And I'll just tell you, the first time I did it was actually during COVID times um, when I participated. And I didn't really know this much about it. And the first time was, I think, in 2021 when it kind of, uh, 2020, 2021, you know, around that time that was a blur. Yeah. And I discovered so many new places and I had been in Barrie for 10 years. So, yeah. It's really cool to get out there and actually eat real food. The chefs try extra hard to make the new customers feel more than welcome. So they'll come back, obviously. And, you know, you're supporting local. You're eating real food. And we don't let the big box stores in this. So get out there. You're going to be hard pressed to find a better meal for what they're charging. So get out there and try a few. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely, joined by Lauren Jessup, the CEO from the Barry Public Library. The library uh, wasn't immune to the pitfalls of the pandemic, took a big hit, but you, you've battled back well by the looks of this uh, annual report. Yeah, absolutely. We're very pleased to see most of our, you know, we're kind of benchmarking 2019 as, you know, our last sort of normal year. Uh, and I would say most of our um, our metrics are are surpassing that number, which is amazing to see. Nearly 13,000 new members last year. Absolutely, yeah, 12,473 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how many of those arms did you have to really twist or did they just come back willingly? You know, the staff worked really hard throughout the year. Um, we did originally sort of set together a target of 10,000. That was where what we were hoping to achieve in the year. And it's just one of those things when, when you um, are really making a concerted effort to do it, like every interaction they had with anyone at the inside the library outside the library they would say hey do you have a library card right and it's just that little reminder um, made a really big difference and I don't think they had to twist arms it's a free membership right so yeah um, people are, are more than willing to once they hear you know what the library has to offer now um, different than maybe what they remember from the last time they had a library card, they were more than willing to, to sign up for a new well, one. Well, that's the thing. I remember my library card when I was a kid uh, got me a book or a chance to look at an encyclopedia or, or read a newspaper from someplace else. There's a lot more to the library now. Absolutely. I mean, I could go on probably longer than we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, start anyway. If I have to cut you off, okay. I will. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing that maybe people aren't wouldn't be aware of is the library of things. So lots of libraries are starting to do this now and really just um, bringing in items that people can borrow that maybe you don't have storage for at home. You don't want to spend your money on something like that. You just want to try something out. So it's a really good way for people to try something new. So like snowshoes, a telescope. Um, we've got all kinds of things uh, in the library to support people who are experiencing dementia or have um, any sort of other accessibility needs, you know, there's um, a reader pen, so it, you scan it over the text and it reads it out loud to you. Just different things, musical instruments, all this stuff that you wouldn't necessarily want to purchase on your own. But as a shared resource, it, it makes a lot of sense. Snowshoes sound pretty good these days. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny when uh, early on in the winter, maybe not so much, but I think now we're getting into that point where the snowshoes are probably getting to be a, a hot item uh, to borrow. Not only things you can borrow from the library, but you have a section now too with uh, all kinds of neat gadgets that uh, can help you be very, very productive. Yeah, for sure. So um, at all our locations, we do have some creative spaces items. Um, the largest uh, space is downtown. So there's um, a laser cutter, there's crickets, uh, there's a sewing machine, 
Um, we've got different things with the Cricut, so you can make a mug and a water bottle and all this different stuff. Uh, the Glowforge, the laser cutter, is probably our newest uh, item that's available, and it, it engraves on wood. It, it cuts wood. It's very cool, um, and people can come in and, um, and use those items. We do ask that people, um, if you've never used it before, you might want to book a time with a staff member to kind of walk you through what you need to do, and then they set you on, on your way. Um, and, uh, and so that's a really good way to get exposure to those kinds of items that you may not want to have on your own in your own house. And all you need is a membership card. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it's easy to get. Totally. Just walk in and say, I want to be a member. Yeah, for sure. You just come in and you, you know, you show us where you live, um, and, uh, and we'll give you a library card and it, a library card in Barrie is free for anybody who lives, works or studies in Barrie. We talk about it all the time amongst ourselves here in terms of research, and everybody relies on Google these days mm -hmm. and the Internet, and there's so much misinformation there. Staff are um, skilled in, in teaching people how to spot misinformation. So you can, you know, if you're not sure about that what you're reading is accurate, come in and talk to us, and we'll help you, uh, direct you to those sources that, that are going to give you that most accurate answer. The other thing, too, is a lot of different programs, children's programs. Uh, people can come in and, and learn about different things. Run down some of those for us. Um, we were really busy over the Christmas break uh, with children's programming. Uh, it was packed in there. Uh, the theme for the, the break was um, sort of knights and medieval times sort of thing. So all of the programs sort of centered around on that. Um, I was in one day, and uh, they had uh, some local... Uh, people coming in and they had swords and they were teaching the kids how to, you know, what the different swords were for and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're most looking forward next to March break. So that'll be our next busiest program time. But of course, there's programs running all the time. So throughout the week, um, we have story time programs for all ages. Um, and then into the evening, there are things uh things for adults to come in and enjoy. So something for everyone, and you can check out our website. It's all on there on the calendar, so you can take a look and, and register or drop in uh, for different things. And I bet you've got people working very hard right now on a certain boat festival that comes up in the summertime. Yeah, we do. Um, so the Berry Dragon Boat Festival, even when the bay is iced over, although not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> you can go out there now on I a dragon you boat. Could. Um, even when uh, even when it's winter, we are working on the Dragon Boat Festival. So this year is our 20th anniversary. So that's very exciting. I think um, this is set to be the best festival yet because it's uh, it's a real milestone for us. 20th anniversary for that. You celebrated the first anniversary of the Branch and Holly. So we did celebrate the first anniversary of the Branch and Holly in the summer. So this was our first full year of operating that location. Um, it's been amazing. So really, you know, the, the community in Holly, I think they all feel that the, that library is like their community living room now. So they come in and very popular with children's programs in that space. But, you know, we see lots of older adults. There's a small group that they come in and they play Mahjong together. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe they wouldn't have met each other otherwise if they didn't have that space. So it's really special. A couple of neat things. When I was a kid, it was the bookmobile that came to the plaza parking lot uh, every couple of weeks. But you've got a, a vending machine and uh, also, uh, is it a tricycle or something that uh, runs around in the summer? Yeah. Um, so the e-trike the e is brand new. So that was this was our first summer running the e-trike. Um, we did get a tricycle just for extra stability with the wagon behind, you know. Um, 
and uh, and it is an e an e bike, so it does give the staff a little bit of a boost <laughs> pedaling. <laughs> we thought that was important, getting from downtown down the hill to the beach and back. Getting back up, the <laughs> right? Hill. Getting back up. Um, it's been very popular. So we've taken it down to the beach and in our parks. And I think it's really been a key element of the membership drive is that visibility of having, um, you know, our branding and, and that visible library uh, out in out in the community. Um, and the kiosks, there's one um, at East Bayfield and one at Allendale. And uh, you just need your library card and you, you scan it and the door opens. You select the items that you want, close the door again, and they're checked out on your card. So it's great for um, busy families who are using the rec centers and um, may not have time to visit a branch. Or um, remember, too, you can return stuff to the kiosks. So if you have your items with you um, from a branch, you can drop them into the kiosk and then they stay there. You uh, set a goal of 10,000 new members last year and you exceeded that. Yeah. What's your goal this year? Uh, the goal this year is really just to keep the momentum of what we've been doing, but also to keep the members that we got last year engaged. One one thing that we don't want to have happen is somebody has a library card and it sits in the wallet, right? So want to make sure that people who got a library card last year are coming in and they're using it. So just building that awareness of the things that we have to offer um, and making sure that we're always pushing uh, those those things to people. All right. I'll be down to make sure you get at least one new member this Perfect. year. Perfect. Yes, please do. <laughs> please <laughs> do. It's the latest. It's the greatest. It's the library. It's what they said when I was a kid. Lauren, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for all the great work you're doing at the Barry Public Library. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical tweaks, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.